Welcome to the Code Life podcast with me, Nathan Blackaby, and my great mate Carl Beach. Hello, mate. Hello, mate. So, mate, I'm just um, I'm just rocking out the new Rode microphone. Does that sound coming through nice and crystal clear? It is, mate. That is a good microphone you've got to set up. My my daughters say that you've got to have a podcast voice, and I, I think this gives me that. I think it gives you that voice. That's... Do you do you find though your voice changes when you bring the podcast mic in? You suddenly go a bit slower. But let's see what happens. Hold on. So I'll just talk to you normally like this. Yeah. Then I'll start talking. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Something happens. Something that comes over us. That's a bit yeah. close, isn't it? Anyway, we did a podcast last week. We, we looked briefly at General Patton and yeah. um, this amazing leader. And we said we'd do some biographical stuff, which we yeah. will do. But in the meantime, I've got hold of this book by... Porter B. Williamson. <laughs> Americans have such good names, isn't he? Porter B. Williamson. Is he the second? The third? <laughs> yeah, he's, oh, yeah, he's yeah. a nothing. It's a zero. <laughs> General, General Patton's Principles for Life and Leadership. And this book has been authorised by General Patton. Wow. I know my dad would be so proud of this book. George S. Patton, the son. I think it is a superb job. Ruth Ellen Patton Totten, his daughter. He's got a whole bunch of quotes on the back, things like leadership. Always do everything you ask of the men you command. Talk with the troops. Any man who thinks he's indispensable ain't. A commander will command. Say what you mean and mean what you say. An active mind can't exist in an inactive body. To gain strength, go beyond exhaustion. Never fear failure. No good decision was ever made in a swivel chair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, I like that one. Yeah. I'm in a yeah. swivel chair yeah. right now. How about this? Never fight a battle where nothing can be gained by winning. Wow. Revenge belongs to God. Never let death catch you in bed. <laughs> wow. So th- there's a whole bunch of sections in this book, and it's a fantastic, it's a really mm. easy read. And I thought... Um, being as we're men who follow Jesus Christ, who uh, believe that this life ain't necessarily everything, yeah, uh, I he's got a whole chapter on life and death, okay. So I thought there was uh, there was scope there to read a bit from the book and chat, see how, see how we go over the next, yeah, sort let's, of do bit. let's do it. In the life and death section, first chapter, revenge belongs to God. There is never an hour in our lives with General Patton that we were not building hatred for the enemy. But we never trained for revenge. General Patton respected the enemy and admired some of their generals. He never discussed destroying the enemy for the sake of revenge. Enemy soldiers would be hated and killed as a way to save our lives. We were lectured on the importance of killing the enemy to bring about the end of the war. War was the ultimate game of life and death. It is true that General Patton said, I cannot see any good reason for taking any prisoners alive. (laughs) (laughs) Such words were used to build up hatred for the enemy. Prisoners taken by General Patton's troops were treated better than most prisoners because General Patton's men had better than average treatment at all times. In one staff conference, General Patton stopped a colonel in the middle of a sentence. The colonel was reporting, we are low on gasoline and supplies. They have plenty available if Washington would only get off their duff and give us some shipments to us. We can slow down our training and get even with Washington. If they cause us delays, we can show them how to really delay our program. We can get revenge. 
General Patton cut the colonel's conversation. Colonel, revenge belongs to God. We do not try to get revenge against anybody to get our supplies. Get on the phone and make Washington move. We, if we cannot get our supplies, we will go with what we've got. If we go out of our way for revenge, we may never get our supplies. Revenge belongs to God. General Patton was silent as his colonel sulked. General Patton smiled and said, I am not at all sure that God could be of any help in Washington, but he could do more to straighten them out than we could. Those words, revenge belongs to God, were etched in my mind. It would be several years before I discovered the words within the Bible. These words fit the typical pattern of General Patton's principles. It matched. Don't fight a battle if you do not gain anything when you win. Nothing would be gained by merely getting revenge against Washington. It could be that in getting revenge, we would handicap our own programs. Years later, I remembered this revenge principle when I was under attack in civilian life by a political enemy who was using every trick in the book to destroy me and my professional reputation. I could have done many things in revenge, but General Patton's words held me back. Early one morning, my alarm radio wakened me with a news programme. The first story in the news was about my political enemy. He had hung himself. Oh. Revenge belonged to God. And God had taken care of my enemy in the most severe fashion. General Patton's words came back to me. Leave a few things to God. Go for revenge. And you may destroy yourself. Now, that this is the first little nugget in this life and death chapter. And I, there are a couple of little things in there that I think are absolutely fascinating. Mm. I mean, this mm. is from a guy who is, like as we've said before, is a typical cigar smoking, you know, all out combatant yeah. guy, studied the major battles, was a fencer, target shooter, tank platoon commander. You know, he was a warrior. Yeah. But he weren't in for revenge. No. And that, that, no. that's a very interesting principle. Now, relating it to scripture, you know, some of our favourite passages, as we men who try and live out the code, Romans 12, bless those who persecute you, rejoice with those who rejoice, never pay back evil for evil, respect what is right, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live at peace with all people. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For he's written, Revengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I mean, that is straight out of scripture. Yeah. But what an interesting thought there about don't what is the point of fighting a battle if winning don't make a difference? And how many of us get involved in battles because yeah. we want to win them? We want, we want to get our own back or score well, a point. Yeah, yeah. And, and sometimes winning the battle is, is about the outcome of, you know, whether or not the fence is in your garden and it should be in theirs a bit more and you're fighting for that meter difference, whatever. Sometimes it's ego, isn't it? It's just you don't want to lose. Pride. Pride. That is true, though, you know. I mean, for many years now, I've been to, you know that classic neighbourhood, dispute where someone puts a fence up like you just said yeah and it's two three inches over your side of the garden yeah Man, I, like stuff like that kicks off all the time I, I nearly every road i've ever lived in yeah someone's having a row with someone about a boundary yeah or about you know your driveways encroaching on my land so i think what is it you, you could go to war and solicitors and all of that for months years and in yeah. the end you get a couple of inches of land back yeah much better to say, hey, look, let's put the fence up together. I don't care. Just cut yeah. the inches. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You'll make it, gains elsewhere, wouldn't you? you get favour elsewhere. Yeah, I think so. And we, we had it, actually, here. Yeah. You know, where I live, new build. 
do you? Yeah, the building developer put the fence in the wrong place. So it came into our garden by about just shy of a metre. So Did it? Yeah, so at the back of our garden, it went like that. So, you know, it's quite narrow, which is now where my office is built. And our, our neighbours, they challenged the developer for over a year and a half on saying that actually now it's built, it's ours, and this space that we've got is ours. Um, so wow. we, yeah, and we didn't ever fight it. We just waited. We didn't ever like knock and say, give us back our guard, you know, nothing. We just waited. And in the end, the developer said, no, it's not your garden. Like it belongs to number 12, which is us. And they came and moved the fence and like we, it opened our garden up massive and I built this office, but it, we never, never went after them or, you know, and tried to stay amicable and, like, what 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 um talk us through the emotion that was there ever a day where you felt like you want to go after it and yeah yeah there were moments when you know I, I was cutting the lawn and it's a it's a weird it's it can easily overtake you the territory the boundaries that's mine I paid for it I own that why can't I have it and some days I'd look out the window at my side of the fence and think that's my bit of grass. But you know what? Uh, it was only a bit more, you know, it wasn't huge. And we honestly, we didn't fight. We didn't argue. We're always friendly. Um, and we don't know him really well. We'd love to, but it is what it is. But there, there wasn't any sense of revenge or, or fighting for this bit of land, you know. I love that, mate. I mean, that is such a practical example of what you're trying to, because that's the, you know, that's, we're not in war charging an enemy. And I think, you know, what he's saying is, you know, an enemy could be defeated, yeah. but because you lost a bunch of blokes and you took some hits, you think, let's just go in and wipe them all out. Yeah. Let's yeah. do them all. Do yeah. them all. And yeah. then do more and then kill their wives and their kids. Let's yeah. do them all. Yeah. It's like, no, they ain't us. It's not us. And and the, the extreme of this stuff is, and I think it's all scales, the, the extreme of this stuff is you get... you. you you get exhausted by it in terms of how it just chews I'll up. kill in. you. Like, oh, that garden, like, I want that garden. Why won't you let me have my bit of garden? And I watched this thing the other day in, in America. These couple had a family feud, a feud with their neighbours. So husband and wife, and they had a kid who's 15 who was disabled, and they had an argument with this bloke who lived opposite. And it boiled over. It was in the news, and um, they were shoveling snow and put some snow on his drive, and it ju he just lost it. And then the husband and wife were shouting at him, like, you know, really aggressive, abusive stuff. And it was just, they were fighting. It was ego, it was pride. And the bloke turned on his heels and walked off. And you could see the, the, the husband and wife, they were like, done him. See you later. You know, we got, we got the victory. The bloke came back down the drive and murdered them both in the street. And, he, and then he went indoors and turned the gun on himself. So nobody won. Mate, it was, it was awful to watch. It was all CCTV, but... That's where people go. That's where people take it. That, yeah, it's it is. And, and mate, on a micro level, you see it in workplaces. Yeah. You know, someone outmaneuvers you or yeah. annoys you, and you think, well, I'm going to go and go and go and go at that. You didn't get the desk you wanted, the position, the office you wanted, the, you know, the bonus, or, you know, and you just go after it and go after it. That, yeah. Living with that is terrible. I'll never forget. I might have mentioned it a few podcasts ago, but I'll never forget when. Uh, when I was in banking, our bank merged with another bank and we absorbed a sales team into our sales team. And uh, I think my sales manager or director 
cheesed off one yeah. of his young salesmen and he took me aside and he goes, I'm going to make Neil think I'm his best mate. Mm. And I'm going to, I'm going to get him right on board and I'm going to do him. Wow. And I remember I said to him, well, that, that's fascinating. Cause how, how now do I ever trust you? Yeah. And I remember thinking, now I've got to watch my back with this guy. Yeah. He's also a psychopath. He's a sociopath. Yeah. But not only that, he's now living consumed. Yeah, oh yeah. We're taking this guy down. To what end? Yeah. Personal say. So it make no difference to his career, except make him look like an idiot, probably, or just yeah. be known as someone not to be friends with. Yeah. It will consume him that. And it probably did. And he yeah. I mean, I left and went and planted a church a couple of years later. I never saw the outcome. Wow. But you know, my goodness me. Mate, this stuff it it does it does corrode. And interestingly, in the book there, something something troubled me that the guy recounting it, he said, God got my vengeance when his enemy hung himself. <laughs> Mate, surely that's <laughs> not that ain't right, right, that ain't that ain't right, right, is it? Dane, right? You want everyone to have a fullness of life and <laughs> you want everyone to come through. This yeah. is a this is a... That's right, because we believe like everyone's winnable. Every situation's yeah. redeemable. So he yeah. said, you know, this, you know, this I've got to say, there's a few bits in this book where like Porter B. Williamson, they yeah. they they're not they might have read their Bible, but they're a bit religious. You know, it's yeah. a bit old testament. Yeah. Uh, a bit not not much cross death resurrection. No. Um, but it's interesting. I mean, basically what he's saying is hand hand it over to the Lord. And now I have seen mm. I have seen moments where someone has, you know, gone against God and stood against his word and stood against his work and God will deal with that. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. But I think that's a different thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. We do. I mean, we do see, I have seen it where people have literally tried to take down the work of God, not non-Christians when a Christian's done that. Yeah. And, uh, and their lives diminish. You know, like Nebuchadnezzar, isn't it? he ended up living like a wild animal. With yeah. Jew going on his hair and all that sort well, of stuff. Well, um, and mate, do you remember when was it the Philistines? Until he was restored. Until he was restored. And yeah. Himself. Yeah. When and the Philistines took the ark, didn't they? They stole the ark, and as long as it was in their land, they were suffering. But God had a purpose, and it weren't. Yeah. It weren't that. It's interesting, mate. I do. I have. I have seen people stand against the work of the Lord and and just watch their lives and their ministries slowly shrivel, diminish, yeah. or wrestle with bitterness and ill health. Yeah. I've seen it. Yeah, I've seen it. General Patton was always laughing at death, and the troops laughed with him. Many of his talks to the troops provoked laughter, but his messages were remembered. We are lucky people elected. We are in war. We have the chance to fight and die for something. A lot of people never get that chance. Think of all the poor people you know that have lived and died for nothing. Total lives spent doing nothing but eating, sleeping, and going to work until the retirement which is received. Nothing to live or die for. We are lucky that we are fighting a war that will change the history of the world. If we live, we can put our grandchildren on our knees and tell them how we won the war. If we die, our friends will tell how we died to make life better for them. If you're going to die, you might as well die a hero. If you kill enough people before you die, they might name a street after you. The troops laughed. 
He never gave the usual commanders pre-combat talk, such as, if we keep alert, we will come out of all this alive. Do not take any chances. We have lived through combat before, and we will get through it again. Now, just on this opening there, mm. that's a fascinating whole thing, isn't it, about um, uh, what, you know, what are our lives actually all about? Yeah. You know, what, have we got any purpose at all? You know, and he's, he's like, obviously, he's this type A personality where he's in, he's in, he's in a thrill ride as well, and he's like, he feels yeah. he's got purpose. Yeah. But how many of us are living our lives like we are just getting up, eating, sleeping, saving up a pension pot and then dying? Yeah, yeah. Mate, I, I think this is really crucial. And I think a lot of blokes might not have got to a place where they're willing to admit this. But, you know, I'm husband, been married for 20 years, three kids. You could say a successful career. I love what I do, passionate about it, trained for it. You know, you know been a christian for a few decades but i've always felt that those things in in and of themselves are not enough and it's not i'm not saying that i'm on this endless relentless search but i think it's crucial that we identify what we are really living for what our fight is where where we want to spend ourselves um and and for me yeah that's been that's been a process of of trying to not hide behind things you know, and I, what I'm saying is I think we can, well, you know, you could say, well, I'm a provider, I work hard, I'm a good dad. That's good. You know, that's, that's noble, honourable things. But I think there's more, to be totally honest. What brings you fully alive? That, I mean, that is, I think that is the, that is the nub of it for me, you know. And the last bit of lockdown, in fact, the third lockdown or fourth, whatever it was. Yeah. That was one where I started to go down a hole for a couple of weeks. Yeah. It's like my whole, my life has been, a, a, you know, a roller coaster rider charging around the place, all over, preaching the gospel, getting things done, getting deals over the line. Suddenly I can't do it. And I'm, I'm, I'm forced to think about what actually brings me alive. Yeah. And does my faith in itself bring me alive? Yeah. Have I learned to be content in all circumstances? Am I chasing this dream of, you know, like we've often had this thing, I wonder what it'd be like just, you know, to be, you know, fully alive with a band of brothers, yeah. with this amazing cause, and yeah. I'm like, shit, we've got that, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. It, mate, this is interesting, and my nephew, Josh, he's in the army, and I was talking to him the other day, and he said, he was talking about his friends, and he went, yeah, Uncle Nate, he's like, my uh, my mates at school don't really see anymore. He's like, it's, and we we shared this together, me and you. And he said, "No, it's, I found brothers here that I'll that I'll fight for, and, and they fight for me, and we we're on this journey together, you know." And and I know you said, you know, the, the military train for that, and they instill that in their guys, their war fighters. But there's something about it that I do feel most alive and passion for, you know, full of passion and purpose when I when I feel like I'm connecting into something of the mission movement of god and and that's when i feel most alive and i think this is this is a good place to bring this into land this week because i i am that i said to you this stuff we're doing with edge and the code to to see i mean i think a movement is a movement and other people call it a movement but actually to see a whole army of people rise up who are passionate focused soul winners yeah not distracted 
call each other out, live live for the big calls yeah. of bringing the kingdom alive on earth, seeing transformation, going to the toughest, hardest places, yeah. you know, rules of life, living in community and connectivity to each other and accountable yeah. and taking risks and charging an enemy, taking ground, living, living fully for God's purposes. That should bring us alive. Yeah. But the reason it's not is that the church is more consumed with, I didn't like the volume of that, that worship that today and that word didn't help me. Yeah. You know, I didn't get much out of that. It has killed us. Yeah. That consumerist mentality. Yeah. It's killed Mate, us. I agree. And, I agree. And I think as well to add to that, I, and, and some guys might not like this one, but I think some of the reasons why blokes feel that passionless existence is because they've lost a, a standard of holiness. And, and let me explain. Yeah, I, right. think, I think we compromise. I think we can skip corners. We round the edges. It's, it's, it's narrow path stuff. We, we've just done a survey. We're not going to release Matthew details seven. now. Yeah. 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 But we're going to do some podcasts on this. And it's about sexual purity. And very, very interesting. And I think for loads and loads of guys... Devastating who, results. Hey, devastating. devastating. I think loads of blokes are passionless and blunted because we've compromised in the tiny little bits nobody sees, you know, all these little battles we face daily. It, it, it's it crucial to get theory, your heart mate. right. Go on, mate. I've got, I've got a theory as to why that is. Go on. I don't think we're living with a, a sense of the imminent return of Christ. Right. Now, now I'm not. he might come back tomorrow. It could be a thousand years. Yeah. It won't be tomorrow, but it could be a thousand years, whatever. But we have lost the sense of urgency that the early church had to make Christ known and to live according to his purposes and will. Because we're not expecting him to come back anymore. No. We have undermined teaching on heaven and hell. Uh, we don't believe we've got a devil, an enemy who opposes us. We're a legion of demons. We don't believe it. Yeah. We don't believe we're at war. Yeah. You know, there's a growing trend towards universalism. I don't matter, we're all saved, our God's gracious. We don't have to live for holiness anymore because yeah, yeah, even like end times teaching is now scorned and laughed at. Now we're not big end times conspiracy no, theorists. We don't no. microchip on you know six sixes and all of that, but we do believe it is coming back, and it'll be like a thief in the night. Yeah, and there is a war on, and I yeah. think we, that has been chipped and chipped and chipped and chipped away at, and the end result is we're lame. Yeah. You know, what are we, we're not urgent. Mate, yeah, that's, good urgent. That. that's good that. I, I listen to a load of World War II, um, well, they're YouTube videos, but they're testimonies, so I just listen to them. And it's really interesting, the moment that these soldiers first see combat and they first go, wow, like, this is actually happening and I'm on the front line. And I think, so, to be fair, I think a lot of blokes, Christian blokes, need that wake up, don't we? A few bullets zooming yeah. past your head, and you go, "Actually, this is real." Yeah, we are at war. Yeah, we are at war, and I think you know, when 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 we are prepared to live in wartime, and we expect the imminent return of Christ, yeah, we start to get on a narrow path. We pray more. We're sharper. The yeah, disciplines yeah. come to play, and if you get stuck in into God's mission, but I was hurting, broken, yeah. the hardest places bring your faith alive when you start seeing the demonic at work and all of that kind of yeah, stuff. And I think yeah, we've yeah. just become passive and people, there are Christian leaders who would laugh at this talk. Fact. Mm. 
but you know, keeping the gospel front and center and it, yeah. and an expectation, the imminent return of Christ keeps you battle sharp. That's yeah, what I yeah. think. Spot on, mate. Thanks for listening. We'll come back to more next time. <laughs>